Yeah, how did you how did you get started with uh, crypto in general, and then how did you get started with Light specifically? Yeah, so 2017 was my first sort of point of contact with crypto. I remember back then a good friend of mine, actually my co-founder now, and this in you know with Light Protocol company that's building Light Protocol. He got me into crypto in 2017. You know, we're childhood friends. We know each other for a long time. And I remember, you know, the, the ICO era bull run in 2017. And I remember dabbling a little bit in investing. I was 17 back then. So I, I think the first, first transaction I made was like one day after I was able to legally open a bank account. So I did all that stuff and um, went to, I think, Bitfenix, Bitstamp and Bitfenix bought a bunch of Ethereum. And then I was just, you know, looking around, seeing what I could do. And back then, I don't know if you you remember back then, but there was this cryptocurrency, IOTA, and I went super long IOTA <laughs> yeah. and it moved. And then shortly after it, you know, didn't sell shortly after dropped totally. So that was my very first experience with crypto, right? Like dabbling in this sort of bull run. And so in the years after that, 2018, I became a bit delusioned. I was like, okay, you know, what the heck? What is what is it good for anyway? You know, basically there was Ethereum, so there was like this notion of smart contracts, but, it, but Ethereum was proof of work back then. And, and I thought, okay, maybe in a couple of years I'll come back. And um, I, I, you know, fast forward, I was, you know, I spent a lot of time in sort of the Web two world trying to sell SaaS to German small businesses, which is a very different world. And in 2020, I remember I had a quick check. I, I think I was sort of looking at my Bitfinex accounts, looking if I, you know, got some some tokens that I could sort of redeem. And I remember and, and remember sort of realizing, well, Ethereum still hasn't doesn't have uh, proof of stake, even though they were building, you know, they were sort of announcing and talking about it in 2017 already. So, um, you know, that was sort of this moment where I was like, you know, what, what's going on there? Nothing's happening. Uh, fast forward a couple more months and I meet up with Yogurt, my co-founder now, and um, he tells me about, well, you know, there's this thing, Solana, um, and he had this idea for uh, porting over, you know, sort of a privacy protocol to Solana sort of benefit from, you know, cheap fees, fast speed, and sort of, you know, use that sort of as a base base to expand to more use cases for privacy. And so he told me about this idea, you know, it was this, I think that was in uh, summer, that was like July 2021. And back then it was sort of the side project. And uh, I found it interesting. It sort of helped him out with a little bit, you know, of rust getting this thing working on, on a Solana runtime. And then we got uh, pre-seed funding. And so we decided, you know, let's let's take this uh, protocol, you know, go full time. We moved to Lisbon and Portugal to sort of dedicate our time to it um, in September. And then from then, you know, the rest is sort of history. Nice, man. <clears throat> How's that experience after raising Ben? I know uh, we were texting a little bit and you said you've been growing the team. How are you thinking about growing the team and how has like your work kind of evolved from when it was just a project you and your friend were building to something that's venture backed like it is today? Right. Yeah. So that was a pretty um, roller coaster ride, actually. Even, you know, we're very early as well now, you know, maybe pretty much about a year, maybe in nine to 12 months. And in the beginning, it was all, you know, just coding away, you know, the two of us 
just hacking to bring this thing to you know make make uh, zero knowledge per verify on the Solana runtime. So there was like a lot of coding workload to be done. And we didn't think about much else, right? Like there was a lot of, and it was a good time because back then it was like, yo, let's just build this thing because it's fun, because it's it's like an interesting problem to solve and let's, let's see what happens. And um, so, you know, that didn't even change so much with sort of the pre-seed round that we collected, a couple of American VCs. And, um, but then in uh, January, I remember we were like, okay, let's, let's see if we can raise a seed round. And uh, back then we had our program ready for audit. You know, it was like about to go on mainnet. And we're like, okay, this is pretty cool. And there's actually like a huge opportunity here because, you know, and dive into that as well. You know, so so where we see privacy and sort of the bigger picture of crypto, but like, you know, assuming that privacy is going to be a very big thing in the future of sort of blockchains, you know, this is like a huge opportunity because we basically have this, ability now to use Solana and make it really cheap, really fast. And so we went, took that um, and um, talked to a bunch of investors. Back then, it was still the two of us. And I remember, uh, you know, circling back to Mountain Dow, that was when we actually started talking to sort of this roadshow where we started talking to investors, many investors on Zoom calls and uh, went pretty good. So, you know, We've uh, raised a bunch of money, um, still in stealth, still confidential, but, you know, in the next couple of weeks at the time of this recording, we'll, in the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll do a, a sort of announcement as well. Um, and uh, now, you know, using that money to hire more people, I think in general, sort of, we try to be very cautious with hiring. You know, we really don't want to overstaff, especially in the beginning when there's like a hundred moving parts that's sort of like really fragile. You need to, maybe you need to pivot like every other month, right? You need to pivot a little bit. You need to change sort of your strategy. And so um, when you have a bunch of people, like let's say, you know, five, 10 people in the team, it's, it becomes very hard to do so. So we're very, very cautious about not hiring too quickly. And instead, sort of focus on getting, you know, a small team together that is, uh, you know, very effective in the way we execute, um, you know. And I think this this sort of notion comes in handy very well now with sort of this bear market coming in. Now, you know, timelines sort of become this, you know, maybe, you know, it's good to have sort of a three-year, four-year runway eventually. So um, having a small team that executes really, really well is really important. Yeah, it's... Uh... The timing is definitely interesting with that. We've also tried to keep our team super lean um, and it makes the bear market like a lot less intimidating, I guess, um, because like, you know, you have the runway um, and there's all these like huge players. I don't see like so much in DeFi right now, but definitely like the huge centralized players that hired a ton just like can't uh, make ends meet, so to speak anymore. So I think there's definitely like a lot of value to keeping the team smaller. What you did hire for though, I'm curious, was it like, did you add more engineering or it was mostly like on the growth side or how did you uh, expand the team from just you two like co-founders? Right. Yeah. So there's a bunch of engineering work still to be done. We have like, we have a really packed sort of roadmap just on the engineering side. Um, and so the first hire we made uh, actually a really good friend of mine as well, um, sort of, you know, going to the same university in uh, Germany back then and, um, that's uh, that's sort of for the SDK that we're building, right? So like JavaScript, TypeScript, front end, back end, 
not really connected to Rust or like you know building core protocols, but um, yeah. So also on that side, that's that's been our first hire, uh, and it's been super super valuable and super important so far. Um, and uh, now we're actually sort of trialing two more people on the engineering side. Um, the way I like to hire, and uh, you know, I'm obviously sort of we're all sort of new to this, and so there's a lot of experimentation going on, but um, the way I'm, I'm sort of trying to hire right now is that I, you know, when there's a person that I sort of vibe with and um, think that is might be a good fit, uh, usually we ask them to hack with us for about a week or two, right? So, and it's, it's really hard to sort of arrange that, especially uh, because most people are sort of in full-time jobs at the time that we're sort of talking to them, right? And so, but, but if we get that opportunity to sort of hack with them, preferably even in person, so we usually fly them into Lisbon where we're based, um, we really get a really good sense of what they're capable of. So, and also how well we sort of work together on the uh, interpersonal level. And so that's been really helpful. It's obviously not scalable, but at this, at this moment, it's really helpful. And so we're trialing, we're doing sort of two of these, these trials right now with engineers um, uh, on the Rust side and also on the SDK side one. And um, yes, we have, we're also onboarding uh, sort of a marketing guy right now. Um, so, you know, marketing has always been something that we've neglected for, you know, it was always sort of the second thought, it was like this afterthought. Uh, but now I think marketing and sort of taking care of the community, um, helping out with business development a little bit, that's really important. So we're, we're hiring right now. Nice. As well. That's super cool that like trail run thing you guys do. Have you had anyone who you like work with them for a week and then you both kind of agree like maybe it isn't a fit or so far yep. has it been? Okay, interesting. Yep. Definitely, yeah. So um, it's, you know, personally, and I've, I've hired in sort of my past startup experiences as well, but uh, but it's something, it's always something new, right? Like um, hiring, you know, my personal sample size is less than a dozen, right, of people, candidates that I've personally worked with uh, and then either made a hiring decision or not, right? So it's a very small sample size. And so like... Um, I think, you know, there sometimes you, you work with people and you realize um, it's not a good fit, maybe work ethic wise, maybe communication wise, maybe sort of the value alignment um, or simply, you know, because the skills and the ambitions of that person don't really align. So, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. How is Lisbon, by the way? I know like in November when there's Breakpoint, everyone seemed really excited about it. And then I kind of heard like some Lisbon FUD, mostly around regulation around like the beginning mm -hmm. of this year. And I heard like something didn't pass. And so people are excited again. What's kind of the like regulatory environment? And then also what's, I guess, just the vibe like, like living there? How have you liked it? Lisbon is great. So I come from uh, Berlin, which is sort of, uh, you know, the capital of Germany. And uh, in the winter, Berlin becomes really cold and really dark. Um, and so, you know, the decision for us was, and maybe for, you know, every other, you know, anyone else who's sort of experiencing that and sort of looking for maybe the optionality of going to Lisbon and live there and work there, you know, for us, it was really Lisbon has great weather all around the year, right? So uh, the winters are super mild. Um, there's a lot of sun. There's a freaking ocean right next to it as well. So 
Um, so that's been amazing. The people are really nice as well. In terms of regulation, that's an interesting one. And, you know, things might change in like two, three years from now, because eventually governments will try to sort of leverage and, you know, capitalize on um, sort of crypto, right? But um, yeah, right now, I think there was sort of this moment of FUD where it was like, oh, you know, there's like a bill that's being introduced. But yeah, really, this one got rejected. So for now, it's like, you know, really crypto friendly for people who who live here and work here. And do you think it will stay that way or it's hard to speculate? Per- personally, I think... That. Yeah. So personally, I think that for now it's going to stay that way for sure. And then maybe in two to three years, they'll sort of introduce sort of more, you know, tighter regulation on this. Um, this is my personal take, obviously. Um, I see, I, I'm actually talking to, I think, three or four different people right now who, you know, f- from the US, but also from Europe, who are actively planning to come to Lisbon, right? Mm. So to work here, live here. So I think Lisbon is, for Solana specifically, is going to become like a really interesting hub. Um, you know, sort of maybe maybe the ambition is to to make it the uh, Bahamas of of Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What other teams are based out of there? Do you like co work with any um, other Solana projects? Yeah. So Solana uh, specific, um, it's really early in uh, in Lisbon, so there are a lot of ETH projects and people that I know mm-hmm. personally. Um, the API free people, if you know them, um, for instance, Solana specifically, um, there, I, I know that officially there is uh, large parts of the, the team of Amulet. you know, they're doing uh, insurance, DeFi insurance on Solana. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've just moved here as well. Um, so I, I met the uh, CEO and, um, he was telling me about it and, uh, other than that, uh, you know, a bunch of freelancers as well. And then, you know, I, I, I don't think I can sort of speak to it right now, but there are people from also people that you've met before from Mountain Dow um, who who are uh, planning to come in the next month or two. Interesting. Very cool. I'm excited to see who that is. I'm kind of FOMOing for a trip now. I might have to go out there and uh, visit for myself. Always um, welcome. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> Will do. Um, let's chat a little bit about like privacy tech and crypto in general. So could you give just like an overview of the different ways uh, you can sort of have privacy on a blockchain right now? So there's like uh, privacy specific blockchains like a Monero or Zcash. And then mm-hmm. um, what you're working is like an application layer. And then there's also like uh, ZK tech, which is like sort of can fit in different places. But yeah, could you kind of outline um, where people are, yeah, just like privacy in general and uh, how they're different across those different sort of manifestations of it? Cool, yeah, for sure. So privacy itself is really, I think, in its infancy, even though, you know, the tech for it has existed and, the, you know, blockchains like Monero, Zcash, um, they've existed for a long, long time, essentially sort of being those first Bitcoin forks um, with sort of added privacy on top, right? Um, for in the case of Zcash. And so, um, but I think usage-wise, it's always been this niche so far, right? So I think a lot of things are going to change and stir up in the next uh, months and and years to come. Um, But yeah, generally you have either blockchains layer ones who um or layer twos even 
who try to introduce privacy. And then you also have sort of protocol specific ones, sort of program smart contracts that are deployed on existing layer ones or layer twos, right? So like Tornado on ETH layer one or uh, like protocol, which is deployed on Solana. Um, in the end, all these changes, they try to do essentially the same thing, right? Uh, there are two variations of privacy that you can sort of achieve. One is transactional privacy, right? I think that's really important and sort of the, the core of everything is like when you transact on a blockchain right now, you know, classically maybe Bitcoin, but also right now on Solana, for instance, it's verified in clear. So, you know, it's a transparent consensus algorithm uh, and mechanism. And so you need sort of complete transparency of, you know, who's sending what and what amounts to whom, right? Problem with that is that, and that's where we sort of get into the set of insight where like protocol comes in as well, is that mainstream users, like if you actually want blockchains to be adopted by the mainstream user, they just expect transactional privacy, right? So people who right now use PayPal, Cash App, what are the payments, right? They just expect a sort of default level of privacy where their transactional history and activity is concealed from the general public, right? And right now we don't have that on public blockchains. And so especially with Solana, who's you know trying to cater to mainstream adoption, we see that privacy is really going to be pivotal, right? So that's a sort of transactional privacy where it's like, you, you know, where if I send you some soul, People shouldn't really be able to tell just by looking at the block explorer that I actually sent you the soul. You know, they shouldn't be able to tell that it's me. They shouldn't be able to tell, preferably, um, how much I'm sending to you, right? And so, so that's this transactional privacy. And then, obviously, there's a second kind, which is sort of this um, smart contract privacy-ish thing. So you see layer ones like you, you see blockchains like um, Secret Network. Um, who sort of try to introduce private smart contracts, right? Where the execution of the smart contract itself is private and concealed, right? So like people start, you know, could start building private AMMs potentially um, or dark pools on top of it, right? So that's the second kind of privacy. Uh, we're much more concerned right now with transactional privacy, even though down the road, we really want to be this, you know, operating system for any sort of privacy as well. Very cool. So how is this different on Solana specifically? Um, I know there's like some interesting things you can do with SPL tokens, but how is it the implementation like as a developer different to create privacy? And then from a UX perspective, how is it different than privacy you might have on another chain? Right. Yeah. Good question. So, so one thing that I should mention is that, you know, with all these different options of privacy, one key thing that you want is to, you want to be close to the user, right? Like, and honestly, like my personal opinion is that a lot of users won't care about privacy enough to um, just use a different blockchain, right? So like, you know, you have Solana, which has a bunch of users, like especially in the DeFi space and NFT space. And, you know, that's where the users are. So you you preferably want to build right next to those users, right? So like, that's where why we decided to use Solana and not, you know, one of the reasons why we use Solana and not sort of build an own layer one or Solana fork, right? So, so that's one that's one important insight there as well. And so, in principle, a lot of the privacy protocols 
and blockchains, they work in a similar fashion, right? So like, for instance, um, our smart contract works very, very similar to Zcash, right? Um, and Tornado, uh, the newest version of Tornado Cash, so Tornado Cash Nova also works very similar to Zcash. And essentially what we do is, um, and it's, and it, I might have to sort of, you know, for, for people who are not sort of well versed in this or aware of it before, uh, sort of take sort of a long, longer shot in explaining, um, it's essentially like a shielded pool that is sort of a token account, in, in our case, a token account on Solana. And you can shield tokens and then you can unshield them as well. And you can, and that's where sort of the magic happens inside this shielded pool. If you have something deposited, aka shielded in your own personal shielded address, um, you can then in this pool spend your tokens like you wish, right? And it's all completely private. So that's sort of this notion of the shielded pool where you know, if, if for non-tax, it's like you have your prepaid card and you can top it up. And this pre prepaid card, whatever happens with it, like it's it's private, you know. Um, and then you can spend your assets from your prepaid card as well, um, either to um, other prepaid cards, right? That's where it's like completely private. It's literally like on the Blog Explorer, it's like a couple of bytes that change, um, no transaction whatsoever. Or you can also use your prepaid card to send tokens to a normal Solana wallet. Um, and then in this case, um, you know, the source of those funds is concealed, but then, you know, the, the transaction is like an actual Solana wallet transaction. So that's, um, so that's on a high level how, how this works. And, you know, in essence, it's like this privacy layer, this pool on top of Solana. So it verifies changes, you know, using zero knowledge proofs. Happy to sort of briefly explain what that is as well. Yeah, that'd be um, great. Do you want to yeah. That? Cool. Yeah. So zero knowledge proofs, you know, in essence, it's you prove something without showing more information about what, you know, than what you actually prove. So say, for, ex for example, you know, the easiest, the simplest zero knowledge proof really is when you sign a transaction with your wallet, right? So say you have a phantom wallet um, and basically what you do when you sign a transaction and then spend funds, right, is you prove to Solana in the end, to the Solana runtime, that you own specific tokens uh, and a specific wallet without actually revealing uh, your private key, which is sort of, right, you, <laughs> that's sort of the um, the simplest zero knowledge proof that, that, that you can do, right? You don't have to reveal your private key in order to prove that actually you are in control of those ones. That's interesting. I never thought about like signing a transaction as a ZK proof, but I guess that is in a way. Um, so on this, so I guess Solana has like some ZK tech implemented today. That's just like native to them. And you're, what is light building exactly? Like, are they a way to interact with that tech or, um, yeah, where, like, how much of it is like features that are native to Solana that you guys are making more accessible versus like proprietary stuff you've built? Cool. Yeah. Good question. So. Um, all of our stuff is uh, open source uh, on the contract side, on the program side, right? So like, um, it's it's out there. Um, we do leverage, and, and this is an interesting one. So so Solana, just for context, Solana has this so-called SPLZK token, which is um, going to be uh, part of the Token Twenty Twenty program library, right? And 
what they do is, is a little bit different than what we do. So we don't actually, in this version, sort of at this moment, leverage their technology. Um, and so what they do is they they use so-called bulletproofs, which is like super lightweight ZK proofs, um, to sort of enable confidential transactions, right? So like same notion of sort of, of this shielded pool, but instead of having full sort of privacy, it's sort of like, you know, I sent you tokens and like everybody can see that I sent you tokens, but no one can see how much I sent you or what specifically I sent you. So these these bits are encrypted. Um, so that's what um, the Solana uh, core team has built so far. Um, we're in close contact with them and actually um, what we're leveraging. So, so just to sort of put in comparison, what we're building is um, we use ZK Snarks, which is, um, you know, non-interactive proofs that um, are a little bit heavier in computation. But the cool thing is that um, they're succinct. So like, even if the proof eventually becomes really big, those snarks keep the same computational size versus bulletproofs that are sort of grow linearly with proof size, right? So like you can then go on and leverage CK snarks for many other things. Like, you know, eventually, if you want to build your private AMM, you could potentially do that with with this ZK tech. And um, so, so that's sort of the the tech difference. Um, and then on the user experience difference, it's that we aim to, and, and it's live on mainnet as well, so you could try it out as well. It's basically fully private transactions, right? So not only confidential, but end to end private. And then one interesting follow up question for that would be sort of. Or sort of other answer to that would be that we actually do work with the Solana team right now to implement elliptic curve support. So you know there might be some you know elliptic curves basically pairing you know Solana uses their own elliptic curve for uh, signatures, but um, we need a specific one that's pairing friendly um, for our CK snarks, and so uh, we work in implementing the specific Sys program syscalls. For them, um, and once that's out, we actually leverage syscalls from the Solana runtime, uh, and this will eventually help us um, make make the program much cheaper to execute. Very cool. Um, could you walk me through like that user experience a little more? So, say like you wanted to send me one soul, and we want to do it privately through Light. What is like the steps involved in that and then how much of it would be visible versus private? Yeah, so, um, and there's a little bit of alpha in it as well, because like we're right now we're working on an SDK um, for wallets that's gonna sort of abstract away a lot of the, what I'm gonna tell you as well. But, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, that's still sort of in stealth mode as well. But uh, how it works right now is that um, there are two ways in which this could work. One way is if we're both Light Protocol users, you could go um, to interface and um, I could give you my sort of Solana address uh, and the corresponding shielded address, which is this Light Protocol, you know, pool account, right? Um, and then you could just, you know, shield tokens to my address, right? So like you, it's like, you know, you answer my address, you answer the amount you want to shield, you connect with your phantom wallet, you send it. It takes like 30 seconds-ish uh, right now. Um, 
at the current state of Solana network. And then you have um, successfully sent tokens to me. And what you can see on the, um, on the blockchain would then be that your wallet sent tokens to the like protocol program, right? But not, you know, like it, it does, that's where it stops. Like it doesn't show that I'm actually the recipient, right? And then vice versa in the same way, it also works, right? Like say you have shielded tokens inside the pool and you want to spend them to my Solana wallet address, you could just go to our interface as well and you could enter my address, the recipient. You could enter the tokens you want to send. And then um, it will work the same way, but uh, the privacy sort of assumptions would be would be uh, different, which would basically be you, it, it, you know, on the, on the Block Explorer, it would look like um, I'm receiving tokens from the program, from the Light Protocol program, but it's unclear that it's actually you who sent the tokens. Interesting. So um, I know we talked a little bit about this at Mountain Doe, but you could send any amount and people wouldn't see the amount. So it's different from like a tornado cash because it's not just a mixer that like aggregates funds. And then since there's like too much information, you can't like discern which wallets are saying to who, but it just shows like that so-and-so interacted with your protocol and so-and-so received some unknown amount of money. And because there's like that built-in anonymity there, you can do any amount and it's not like privacy just through that like abstraction, right? Yeah, so this this is sort of the second part of uh, what you can do with our um, protocol as well. It's not yet part of the interface, but essentially that's also possible if we're both like protocol users. Um, and then what I just described as well is like I say, this see my, see my um, you know, transparency where one of us, right, is like a so normal Solana wallet address. And then obviously that end would, you know, be transparent. You would see what amount of tokens get sent to this address or from this address, uh, but not the other half fit, right? Depending on, so, you know, just to, you don't need uh, both people to be um, having a light protocol account to start using it. But then once both people have this, it's it's exactly like you described, right? Like it would literally be just a state change in our, in our program. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to understand now the different ways you can come to achieve privacy, I guess. So um, I think if I'm correct, like what Tornado does and what you do to achieve privacy are two different things, right? I guess they're like they're similar in the way that there's like a pooling mechanism, but for Solana, the pool isn't like what creates anonymity, right? In the end, um in the end, it's actually very similar, right? So, like in the end, um, it's it's a similar mechanism, especially if you look at the the newest version of Tornado, which is called Tornado Nova. Um, it's sort of this same notion where you do have this pool, and uh, the the cool and, and and that's sort of where we have these different elements, right? Like so, the first stage, which is sort of um, on an off ramp, kind of this would be working very similar to Tornado. But then um, if you actually do pool internal transactions, you know, with both parties being inside the pool, that's where it's different, right? Like that's where, where it's more like Zcash where um, you can do anything. And, and, and so that's in terms of how it functions and, and the sort of the core insight into this is really like, okay, make it interoperable and make it sort of accessible throughout the Solana landscape, right? So you have this sort of core tech, which is, you know, it's been, it's been built um 
Um, so there's no no crazy magic happening, right? But I then bring that, apply it to different use cases. So one example is, um, I think one month ago, um, we had our first product integration with Barrel DAO. So they had um, so they built this e-commerce store with the DJ App Academy, um, where they had this sort of beer drop, right? So they called it beer market, and Essentially, what they used our SDK for, right, is that they uh, allowed users to do private checkout. So instead of checking out with just normal Solana Pay um, with their Phantom wallets, they could check out using their Light Protocol balances, right? So like it was this one button click, opened up a widget, and um, they could just use their shielded funds to um, to send those tokens to the e-commerce shop. And so what was private in this case, right, was the identity of the person that was shopping those um, those uh, items, those, the beer. And um, that's just one example of um, what, you know, how you can then sort of bring the actual privacy to to actual use cases, right? So that's, um, and there, there are a couple of things in the pipeline that um, where we're sort of aiming to improve the user experience more and more. Right, so like that's that's the main goal, make the user experience better, um, continually, and then eventually you'll have this point where private transactions are not, you know, don't feel any different than normal normal Solana wallet and, uh, uh, transactions. That's super cool. I did not. Uh, I didn't know about the Barrel DAO integration. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. It's funny because uh, when Solana did the phone, the Sega, like drop yeah. into pre-order, it was Solana Pay. Um, that was like totally public. So within like right. 10 minutes, I remember uh, Edgar from Gito like made this dashboard on Dune that showed all the orders. And then uh, like Kyle Samani posted he got one and someone replied like, oh, I, I know like within four people, which one is you? Because of when you tweet this, he's like, oh, or you could just look at my like domain name that's like docs right there. Um, right. So it's funny because it's like a huge problem and people have like, even like with something Solana built, like people have that insight. Um, so it's pretty cool that there's like e-commerce applications like that. Is that kind of your main BD and growth approach is integrating with other protocols or how are you trying to... How are you thinking about growth? Yeah, that's a good question because actually from, you know, I've sort of pivoted from personally, I've shifted a lot of my effort from engineering, you know, then hiring an engineer and then now shifting to business development and sales. And so uh, there's a lot of the strategic parts um, that we're um, working on right now. One is we really see wallets as key drivers for um, sort of the, the actual mainstream adoption of private transactions, right? Because like once you have key management, you can abstract away all those extra steps that are required um, to, you know, fund the private wallets, spend your private funds, um, and so on. And I'm, I'm super excited about sort of, I think in the next weeks, um, we'll be able to announce and release something publicly, uh, sort of how we picture this to be and, you know, who, who we're working uh, with on that front. But um, so that's sort of the key effort right now, honestly, um, you know, conversations with wallets, working with them on in implementing our um, our solution. And and um, while we do that, right, so that's sort of the sales and business development side. And while we do that, we have 
uh, a lot of inbound interest for sort of this classic, you know, the thing that BarrelDAO used, which was, it's essentially a hosted widget and you can call it with like a single API call and then trigger a private transaction. Um, and so we've had a lot of inbound interest. And so we're planning on opening that up um, in the next week as well, where um, people can just go um, and they don't have key management, but they have a DAP, right? They, they have a decentralized application. Maybe it's an e-commerce store. Maybe it's, um, you know, a payroll protocol. And uh, they can implement private transactions there as well. So that's sort of this more inbound sort of line of, of business there. Very cool. I'm uh, I'm super excited to see that wallet one. I'm curious what that will be. I think that makes a lot of sense though, because um, this is all really like an onboarding issue, trying to get people to use privacy, which is like the reason, like you said, that you chose um, like Solana to begin with instead of like a privacy native chain. Because um, at the end of the day, it's about like getting users and getting users to change like a fundamental behavior. And so no one really onboards more than the wallets. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. Super interesting. Is the business model just like a take rate right now on like the amount you send or are you guys not like super worried about monetization at this point? At this point, we're really not worried. Um, we just raised, raised um, our seed round. So now we have enough runway to build this out in the long term. And so um, eventually, and we also don't have a token, right? Like um, clearly we don't have a token. Eventually we might do one. And so at that point, um, we'll probably introduce like a flat fee. Uh, and then token buyback and burn or something like this, right? Um, the economic um, structure right now is really that there's computation costs on the Solana runtime. Um, and then there's also a relay network that we're spinning up, which is basically like, you know, you can picture it like cranks or backends, trustless backends that execute transactions for you. And then obviously we need an economic incentive for those. Uh, so, so there will be a fee, a little fee involved in there as well. Um, but then the sort of the main thesis here is that we'll make it up in volume. Um, just like something with Solana, right? Like, you know, once Solana starts processing more, more and more transactions, which um, might come in the next year or two, essentially Solana just has to um, increase the validator requirements, the hardware requirements, right? But then once they have that, you know, validators can actually become much more profitable. And it's sort of similar with Relay as an hour uh, network, which is, um, you know, with more and more volume as we power, you know, good chunks of the Solana traffic um, will have, you know, the sort of the real economic incentive. And then we'll also start introducing maybe a, a flat fee. So is that permissionless? Like anyone can run a Relay for you guys? Right now, it's not permissionless, um, but we'll run through that in the next couple of months, we will sort of gradually start uh, opening this up more and more where, you know, especially once we have a token, we'll, we'll have probably introduced something like, you know, you know, if you want to have a relay, you have to stake a certain amount of mm-hmm. tokens um, and then you can run your own relay and it becomes part of this sort of uh, list that's on chain. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. It's interesting that like cranking incentive, it's not quite cranking in this instance, but um, I haven't seen people like really use their like protocol token to incentivize that kind of uh, behavior yet. And that seems like really low hanging fruit. Um, maybe I'm just not fully aware of it, but yeah, I think that's like something people talk about a lot, but I haven't seen it happen a ton yet, but I think we're just kind of early on that front. 
Um, yep. So I gotta, I gotta ask. Well, I don't. I won't uh, harass you too much about. It, but I am curious about how you like think about the like optics of all of this because um, I think you mentioned like for fundraising, it's like a little difficult. And I think people have like a lot of preconceived notions about like what you can really do with this tech or mm -hmm. what the current use cases are. So how do you try to get over that? Like uh, both with uh, like partnerships and investors you're trying to develop a relationship with. And then also from like a more mass public perspective, how do you try to change that narrative overall? Yeah, so I think that is a really good point, really good question, field of questions as well. Um, so I think mainly uh, privacy in crypto has been sort of really notorious, especially if you you know think of names like Tornado Cash, where um, those privacy protocols and mixes, especially, have been used to you know either launder funds or you know make you know sort of run away with tokens that were hacked, uh, protocols that were hacked. Um, I think that's really a branding issue. Um, for us personally, it has been sort of really a great experience so far. Like investors, super supportive uh, partners as well, and. Um, and I think, and that's also where we sort of strive to be with Light Protocol, right? Like Light Protocol is meant to be um, legit, um, you know, not, you know, sort of um, for, for illicit behavior, but really for those mainstream applications and use cases where there is on-chain privacy, right? But not necessarily like privacy before the law, right? Like we'll always be and try to be compliant with um, existing laws, right? And I think that's very important. Honestly, I think and this might be something of an unpopular opinion, but um, I really think that compliance and regulation really, especially in the AML part, is definitely necessary for blockchain adoption to go mainstream, right? Like I think that's one big point there. And for Light Protocol, it's really about um, always being able to comply with that. So there are a couple of active measures we're taking. Um, and there are also, I think we're going to sort of re release that and announce that as well in the next couple of weeks. Um, so can't talk about that. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's always a delicate issue, right? Like, because we're really for on-chain privacy. We're also f uh, against any illicit use cases. So, you know, combining that is, um, is always you know, about striking a balance. Definitely. I, uh, I totally agree with your point that like, uh, having a level of compliance is the only way we're going to reach mass adoption. So I think that's like a very long-term perspective you're taking. And also it's practical because like AML enforcement is no joke. So, um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, cool, man. That's all the questions I got. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on today. It was really interesting. Um, hearing more about your protocol and kind of privacy landscape, if people want to learn more or get involved in your community, where should they, where should they find you guys? I think the, the first uh, destination there would be Twitter. So twitter.com slash light protocol, you know, that's where you can find us. You can shoot us DMs. You'll find links to Discord and our website as well. You'll be able to find the interface and the open source code as well. And uh, yeah, take it from there. Nice. I'll, uh, I'll drop that link in the description for all this as well. Uh, cool. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Anders.